When I was eight years old, a film came out that completely changed my life. This might age me a bit, but the film was Space Jam. Anyone else a huge fan? Not only was the soundtrack stunning, and still to this day one of the best soundtracks of any film ever made, but also it introduced me to the world of NBA. And from that moment on, there was nothing in the world I wanted to be more than an NBA basketball player, particularly wanting to play for the Chicago Bulls. Now, that might seem ludicrous to you, but to give it some context, um, up until the age of 16, I was a solid five foot four, and then I had a mighty growth spurt at 16 to be now this behemoth in front of you at five foot nine and a half, maybe five foot 10, depending who's asking. The thing is, is after then, I thought, well, what does a short person do? Being in the army is pretty handy if you're short, because you can hide very easily, put some camo on, you can squirrel away. And so I wanted to be in the army. And when I didn't have the guts to do that, I then thought I want to join the Metropolitan Police because I watch The Bill every single day. Anyone else watch The Bill? Anyone else pretend they had to like, enjoy it because their parents wanted us to watch The Bill? But The Bill was the thing that we're watching every single day. But it feels like most of us are in this constant process of trying to find out our purpose, trying to find out what it is that we were made for, trying to find out what is the reason that we are on this earth. In a recent survey, 57% of people wonder on a regular basis, how can I find more meaning and purpose in my life? 81% of people believe that there is an ultimate purpose in life. And apparently, according to this study, if your business is, pur- is purpose-based, as in it's trying to help something beyond just making money, then people are four times more likely to choose your product over a similar brand that's just trying to generate profit. One author wrote, a person without purpose is a human being merely breathing because he does not know where he is, let alone know where he is going. I wonder if you've ever felt like that. If you've ever felt like you're just merely breathing. You're just day in, day out. It's just good enough to exist. Life doesn't have to be about managing to exist. Christmas at its heart is about God breathing his life into the world. The Bible starts with God breathing his life into Adam and Eve, and then the prophets of the Old Testament tell of a day when God will breathe his life back into the world. There are rumors throughout Scripture, God's whispers, glimpses of a time when we will experience that life in our presence, in our midst, in all its fullness, when God will reveal his life in flesh. And as this baby is born, this Jesus, those around him, whether kings or innkeepers or angels or shepherds, are challenged with the same question. Do you want this new life? Do you want this new sense of purpose? Do you want this reason to live? And the thing is, the super religious elite of the day got upset because of Jesus, because they were the good guys doing the good things, and they were right according to the Bible. But the thing is this, accepting God's presence does not make you morally superior. The church's mission in the world is not to make good little boys and good little girls doing good little things. The purpose God gives us is not just a new job. It's not just a new assignment or a new to-do list. That's what religion is, but God offers relationship. He offers his love. 
John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. They shall not be merely existing. They shall not be merely breathing, but have eternal life. What were you made for? To be loved. Imagine how your life would change if every day before you did anything, before you spoke to anyone, before you answered an email or put the kids' shoes on, before you poured a coffee, before you did anything, before all of that, you knew that you were loved. So loved. So loved that you're hardwired to breathe in God's love. It's why we get restless and why we try and find love and approval and acceptance in all kinds of ways, through our work, by overworking, in our relationships, online, any way we can, we just try and find a sense of love. We need it. God made us to encounter his love. So what changed from my NBA, army, and police dreaming days? Well, I didn't grow up going to church whatsoever. My Christmases growing up were not filled with going to lovely carol service and having mulled spiced apple, which made a queue go all the way around the church. I mean, it's good, but come on, guys. When I was two, my parents divorced and my dad raised us and we lived on a council estate that was rough as. And my life was filled with violence and anger and hurt and abuse and disappointment. To the point when I was 14, I felt unsafe at home, so I ran away from home to go and live with my mum, who I didn't know very well. My brother also lived in the same house, and he was older than me, and he, by this point, had set up an illegal radio station, back in the day when it was illegal to do such things, called Erotic FM, right? This morning, we had a BSL interpretation for sign language. That part was interesting. <laughs> but he used to run Erotic FM, which was a drum and bass jungle uh, radio station in northwest London. You could pick it up in one particular postcode. Um, but life was chaotic. And I would go wherever my brother went. And at one point, I was um, just coming up to my 16th birthday, and we went for a pint and in a pub that would serve a 15-year-old, five-foot-four little kid. Um, and we were nursing a pint of Stella Artois, which was as big as my face. And a guy came in selling illegal DVDs. Before you could just download whatever you wanted, if you knew the right streams, uh, you had to buy these things, often outside train stations, or guys would come up to you in pubs. And this guy came table to table selling CDs um, of the latest films that were out. And he came to our table, and I browsed through them, and I picked one, and I went home after spending five pounds and a few Stellas in, a proud new owner of The Passion of the Christ on pirate DVDs. And I went home and bleary-eyed because I was very short and I had two pints of Stella, and I watched The Passion of the Christ. And as I watched this Mel Gibson interpretation of the last week of Jesus' story, something hit me. Something hit me when I watched it, and it wasn't like this Jesus wasn't a kind of fuzzy felt re kind of depiction of Jesus. It was a Jesus that wasn't afraid to get hurt, wasn't afraid of the blood and the mess, wasn't afraid of the violence and the anger around him. But also he kept an unlikely bunch of mates, prostitutes and tax collectors, random working class fishermen who didn't think they had quite cut the grade. And as I sat there watching it, my 15-year-old self thought, maybe I could be one of his mates. And so I went to school the next day and talked to the only Christian that I knew who wasn't a teacher because I was never going to approach a teacher about this. But I talked to one girl and she happened to be quite hot. I'm now married to her. But I said to her, um, can I go to church with you on Sunday? 
And I did not know what to expect. Now, I might have taken the same strategy as some of you might have done this evening, whereas I had a few pints before I came to church. Anyone else? No, you don't have to do that. But I was so nervous because I knew that I was carrying some stuff. And I thought only good people go to church, but I knew I was not good. I thought only clean people went to church, and I knew I was not clean. I thought only polite people went to church, and I definitely wasn't polite. I thought only the nice people, and I wasn't all that nice. And yet I encountered in that community a love that wasn't based on my circumstance. It wasn't based on my behavior. It wasn't based on my past or what school I went to or what group I hang out with. It felt pretty unconditional. And as I got to know this Jesus a little bit, I started to find out that actually Jesus could potentially love me. Even me with all my pain with all my hurting, all my anger and rage, all my past and all my experiences. Not just that, that he loves me so much that he doesn't want to leave me that way. He doesn't just want to leave me broken. Instead, I can potentially become a reflection of that love, a mirror to the world reflecting his love. And I'm not perfect by any means. I sometimes wear one of those dog collars that people immediately think, oh, he's more holy. But please, I still get irrationally angry at people who chew too loud, right? I still get quite viscerally angry about people who hiccup aggressively. Like, to be honest, I think one hiccup is enough for your body to tell you something's wrong. Sort it out. Leave the room. Do something about it. Don't come into my space hiccuping. I've got three girls, and I'm trying to raise them to be hiccup deniers, right? (laughs) Hiccups is a state of mind. Get rid of it. I also can't stand Ed Sheeran, right? And, I, and I, just, I just fear one day that I'll die in a car crash and Ed Sheeran's playing on the radio. And people will think, wow, wasn't he a great fan? And then as my coffin's being lowered into the ground, someone's playing Thinking Out Loud, thinking, well, this is it. I still struggle with how I think about myself and how I compare myself to other dads, other men, other vicars. I still have moments where I think maybe I doubt God could love someone like me and then I remember this one thing. That he came to Bethlehem, not when the world was ready to receive him. He didn't wait for us to be good little boys and girls and then interrupt us with his presence. He didn't wait for the Middle East to be settled and then go in. He didn't wait for us to all know our scriptures very well and then enter in. He didn't wait for us to know our Greek and biblical Hebrew and then enter in. He didn't wait for us to be good little boys and girls. He chooses today to interrupt us, to say, I love you even before you love me, that you are worthy and you are capable of receiving God's love. He desires not that you show up to church every Sunday. I know some vicars use Christmas as a recruitment drive. This is not what this is. (laughs) He doesn't even think that, you know, if you tell him, you're a good little boy and girl. He doesn't even desire that you do wonderful things. He doesn't even desire that you're super friendly and you smile all through every circumstance. He desires simply this, that you know his love. Not just know about his love or hear stories of other people enjoying his love, but he desires that you know he loves you deep within your heart. All the other stuff follows that. His son, Jesus, born into the mess of a manger, into the chaos of a barn, 
into the scandal of a teenage pregnancy outside of wedlock, into the trauma of an empire ruled by tyrants. His son Jesus is an invitation for you to receive his love, no matter what circumstance you're in. And so the question this Christmas is, will you receive it? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you don't wait for us to be ready. Because we never will be. And into a world that is hurting, a world that is broken, a world where there is conflict, a world where there is pain, a world where there is misjustice, a world where there is all kinds of need, Lord. You enter in. You enter in and you say, I love you no matter your circumstance. I love you and I love you so much I'm not going to leave you where you are. But you can be a mirror, a reflection of that love. A signpost, a story that says God is on the mission of reconciliation. Of bringing all things back to himself. And so Lord, whether we know you and we've been going to church all our life, and we know loads about Jesus, whether this is the first time we've been in a building with a cross in it. I thank you the love for every one of us is the same. And so we accept it. We accept that love. It's all we can do. And so, Lord, will you do what only you can do? Help us to know that love this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.